Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zook. And Josh Bashong. Dana, tell us something about BVD today. We got an interesting little series coming up that I hope will be useful to some producers. And you wanted to start off by kind of defining what BVD is and why it's a, even a problem for cattle producers. So I think that'll be a really good place to start. Okay, great, Trent. So bovine viral diarrhea, BVD is a cattle disease caused by bovine viral diarrhea virus, okay? So this virus is a contributor to what is known as kind of the shipping fever pneumonia. Um, Complex. Complex, that's right. Yes, that's right, Trent. I got one right. Yeah, you did. So this is part of a group of complex of, of diseases or viruses that cause bovine respiratory disease or BRD. And so we hear a lot about that in calf health, really it's a it's a big hindrance to the industry and so bvd is one big contributor to that problem so what you'll see is you'll see impacts spread throughout the beef production system from the cow calf sector to the feedlot sector and these impacts aren't always recognized because we don't do a lot of testing for it and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, later on so the symptoms of this disease which are a lot like a lot of the other diseases in this complex but um, I guess it's a virus, uh, is diarrhea, uh, as its name suggests, but that's really one of the lesser common uh, symptoms of it. It's reproductive disease, and we have stillborn calves from it. Um, The unique and devastating part of this disease is that the cattle can be infected for their entire life, spreading the disease to other cattle, often uh, without showing signs themselves. So that that is a, a lifelong infection, and And those cattle, while there are a few of them, are called persistently infected calves or persistently infected cattle. And um, sometimes I show symptoms, as I said, and and other times you can't even tell. So we're covering the topic in kind of a two-part or a couple-part series. Uh, And Trent has experienced some of this in his herd recently. And so... Lucky me. Yeah, lucky Trent. So we thought it would be a really good idea to cover it, and we are inviting one of our vet- extension veterinarians to join us in a couple weeks to talk a little bit more about it, because none of us are veterinarians. Josh's wife is a veterinarian. Maybe we should have invited her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe sometime. You'll be our resident. Yes. <laughs> and so we are going to talk through this situation today, kind of giving you some background on Trent's situation he had this summer. So... Trent, let's start the story off. Where did this begin? Oh, wow. Well, as you know, I've had cattle for a while. I started my cattle venture back in 2013. And I got into cattle by buying my brother's herd whenever he decided to do a different venture. I purchased his cattle. So, you know, on farm, they stayed in the same pasture where I purchased them. And you know, not a lot of health concerns there. I didn't have a whole lot of experience buying cattle from outside of my own farm and bringing them in. And then since 
that time I had tried to expand my herd a little bit. And by doing that, I had gone through a local neighbor who had uh, some high quality red Angus heifers that he, that, that come out of his, I would say papered herd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and instead of just selling them as commercials, I just went ahead and bought, bought those heifers from him and developed my own herd. Well, recently I've been trying to expand my cattle herd a little, um, a little more quickly, mm-hmm. I guess would be the, the idea there. Cause as we all know, buying young heifers, 500, 600 pound heifers and developing those into cows takes a long time. It's very expensive. And it's expensive. Yes. And, and I thought, well, you know, I've given people advice in the past that they should go out and either buy bred heifers or bred cows as a way to, you know, expand their herd in a little bit faster way. So we go back to the spring of 2020, and I was trying to buy, you know, bred cows or bred heifers, and it just seemed like all of the higher quality ones were bringing somewhere around $1,800, $2,000 a head. And that was just a little steep for my blood. And, you know, I just didn't, I, I wanted to expand to a point that was going to make that cost prohibitive. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to maximize my value. So I did find uh, a set of bred heifers that that were in that $1,400 per head range, uh, those bred heifers. So that that's kind of how I got started in this whole venture. Yeah. So this kind of was the start of a long story. So what and it's a long health story, right? So what were the first health issues that you noticed? Maybe that were kind of something you just noticed that might be out of the ordinary. Yeah, I'll take you, I'll take you one step back there and just talking about, you know, the cattle I wanted were too expensive because I wanted really nice cattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all, right? Yeah. And, you know, so I had in my mind kind of what I wanted and and I knew that what I was going to look at wasn't 100% that. You know, I, I knew there was a reason why they were cheaper than what the market was commanding at that point. So I went and I looked. And first things I noticed on this set of calves that I was looking at, bred heifers, that they were a little undersized, mm-hmm. looked a little rough. <laughs> you know, they were on wheat, but they just didn't have that shiny you know, sheen, you know, you, you could tell they hadn't been there a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I got to asking questions and well, these were some, some heifers that had come out of a sale barn from out of state and they came into Oklahoma and were being grouped together and, and resold, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing, but it wasn't what I'd been looking at. So mm-hmm. it, it started to make sense as to why the price was different. You know, you, you think about these home-raised bred heifers that are coming straight off the farm to the local auction, there's going to be a reason why they're they're more valuable. There's less risk there. Mm-hmm. These cattle are coming from out of state. And you say, health red flag? Right then and there, I should have just said, you know what, Trent, this probably isn't going to fit what you want to do. Well, and it was, you had in the past been looking for something high quality. You said your goal mm-hmm. was, you know, a higher quality herd. But the price was too steep. The price was steep and I was trying to expand a little mm-hmm. more aggressively. Uh, and so for the money that was available and the constraints that I had, that I landed on this this option. Okay. And so these cows, from what you've told me in the past, what sort of stage were they at as far as their pregnancy? Yeah, that's a good question. So <clears throat> I, again, you think about what's in your mind and what's not. And that's important for me, I guess. And you come back to some psychological things when you're buying something. Sometimes whenever you've searched and searched and searched for something, you get tired of searching and you settle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if anyone else is used to that, but I research things absolutely to death. And then I get to the point where if I find something that'll work, I'm invested and I just go with it. And 
when we went and looked at those cattle, they were a little bit undersized, but the seller of those animals said that at the sale barn where they came from, they had been pregged and that they were in their third trimester. Mm-hmm. And that's about as much as information as we could get is third trimester. Well, that's not, that's not as close as you'd really love to know. That, that could be a three-month difference. Uh-huh. And then depending on how good whoever was palpating or, or however they were checking those cows how good they are they could easily be late second trimester so Mm -hmm. so i i anticipated from that information alone that there was going to be a little bit of variability there but then there was also some at least some of those animals the way i understood it upon purchasing them was that that they were going to they were they had also been palpated by that local vet and that they were anywhere from seven to nine months okay and so should have been heavy bred at that point and And so you thought it those kind of within that stage even though they weren't exact they would fit into your current herd correct yeah so i have a spring calving herd and i anywhere from late february to march is when i hope to calve so we're looking at these cows in mid-may or early may whenever i looked at them they were delivered in mid-may so i knew they were going to be a little bit behind but i figured you know there's 12 months in a year nine months gestation i can probably get them back uh, into my kind of into my window even with them calving a little bit later than I would have liked. So uh, did you notice anything initially? Like how did the calving start? If they were pretty heavy bred, how did that go throughout the summer? Yeah, so when whenever we went and looked at those calves, there, there were even some calves on the ground uh, at the place where I went and looked at these animals. So I thought, well, obviously they're heavy bred. You know, they're calving as we speak. So. So that kind of sets up a stage for some more of what we'll talk about. Uh, I saw some calves on the ground. I thought these poor girls are heavy bred. It, it was May. It was already getting warm. So I was even uh, worried about the tran- the transport of those animals uh, to my place. It was, you know, roughly an hour and a half or so away mm-hmm. that they were going to be on a truck. So I thought, you know, I kind of hope to get them here as quick as possible. I set up a pasture on its own uh, just for them dumped them out and I just wanted to leave them alone you know Mm -hmm. I just wanted to let them calve out and then I would kind of move into uh, incorporating them into my my health program but uh, the early calving uh, was pretty non-existent we had a couple calves there in May but it was slow going that it became pretty apparent that they weren't as heavy bred as as perhaps we were being led to believe okay so you had some calves on the ground you let's talk about maybe some of the first health issues you noticed with those calves yeah yeah and and that's going to be important in our saga too talking about exactly what i saw and and my lack of knowledge i would say in terms of what i was seeing the first things that we really had problems with and it's probably completely unrelated but it all stacks up is the fact that we had one terrible flies and two terrible tick problems and I was just having really bad problems with pink eye. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of calves on the ground there at the very beginning. But if I did, they ended up having bad eye problems. There was one I had to patch his eye. And to this day, you know, he has a kind of a glassy eye. It never did heal quite right. Thought he was going to lose it there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the, the eye problems were very real. And we just couldn't get on top of it. And I thought, well, these cattle had been commingled. They came from somewhere. Some One of them got pink eye. And I just can't get ahead of this thing. So I'm typically treating with LA-200 with those calves, trying to get in front of this pink eye issue mm-hmm. for most of the summer, just cussing the fact that anyone would think to <laughs> to have calves in the middle of the summer, thinking I will never make that mistake because yes. these little babies are just having so much trouble with their eyes. 
And then the pastor was a little bit overgrown too. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, is this, is this my management? Is this cultural? You know, is it because I'm making them run through some brush? Because this pastor hadn't had cattle on it mm-hmm. for several years. So it was kind of a virgin pasture, so to speak. And so I was thinking, well, maybe part of that's my problem. Just a lot of things yeah. <laughs> mounting that, that affected the health of those calves. So then you, in, in doing this, treating all this treatment, you continue to have some health issues and maybe in treating you kind of masked maybe yeah. the un, some of the underlying issues that that maybe you weren't necessarily seeing on the surface yeah you're exactly right and sometimes in the summer you'll see calves cough and it's hard to know if they got a hold of a sticker that was wrong if, if it's dust you know mm-hmm. that we've had dust pneumonia in the past and and i had a few of those calves the very first calf i had was a heifer and she was my poor doer and she just kind of looked puny. But then you remember back to what I talked about, what these cattle actually were. They were little undersized young heifers. So I kind of thought, well, these calves aren't getting off on the right foot anyway. So, mm-hmm. so you know, had some of some respiratory issues uh, that, and they were to the point that I had never seen before. I got to the point during the summer where I was getting pretty good with a rope because I roped every single baby calf that was born out of that herd. Uh, and treated them at one point or another usually it was because their eyes were getting weepy and after after that first calf just about lost his eye man if I saw one just tear up whenever I was there I caught him gave him a shot and I think you're exactly right some of our treatment there for pink eye was probably masking some of that uh, BVD issue we were were starting to have and so you indicated maybe that first one first heifer that you had that was poor doer might have been your BBD. And so we'll talk about her in a minute. Mm-hmm. But so through all of this, you did a lot of self-treatment, you know, you did things, which we hope producers do, but what kept you from really reaching out to your vet? Yeah. Thinking back and, and it was a year 2020 and hindsight should have is 2020 as well. But, and I didn't reach out to my vet right away on this whole deal because of the situation. One, one, I trusted what I was buying. I showed up there, there were cows calving, so I thought they're heavy bred. And then, like I talked about, I didn't want to haul heavy bred cows in the heat. I didn't want to put them through a chute if I didn't have to. I figured I would just get them calved out and then I would start my health program. And so whenever we dumped them in that pasture, I was just very hesitant to mess with them. I thought I thought it would be best to be hands off. And so I you know, did some of that health things. I talked with people that I trusted in the cattle industry that weren't vets, but... But, mm-hmm. you know, we kept thinking most of our problem was uh, with pink eyes. So I kept treating that way. And and I didn't, and at some point there, I talked earlier about the pests and the flies and the and the ticks getting so bad. It got so bad where I had cows with t- ears that were bleeding because of the ticks. Mm-hmm. And I said, enough's enough. I don't care if they haven't calved yet. I loaded everybody up and took them to town. We got fly tags put in their ears. That helped. We did, uh, we did go ahead and vaccinate those cows but I didn't preg them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and at this point I look back and I want to, you know, get the biggest boot I can and kick myself in the butt. I don't know why I didn't at that point, but I just didn't because mm-hmm. I, I trusted what I believed to be true from what I saw. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, very common. Um, it's an underlying issue that you just, you were thinking that it was a parasite situation, mm-hmm. which you, a lot of producers did have extreme parasite loads last year. Um, so, 
Looking back, what are just a few big red flags? So we're we're still going through this, you know, we're just still talking through this process, but yeah. the big red flags in the summertime that maybe you haven't hit on. Yeah, I could probably talk for hours about this, so I'm trying to let you <laughs> prompt me as yeah. we go along here <laughs> Yeah. so I don't get ahead of myself. But, you know, big red flags going back and, and kind of rules, and, and we've talked about this before, is trusting your gut, you know, and, and they just didn't feel like, from the very beginning when I went and looked at him, I knew I was settling. Mm-hmm. And I accepted that risk because the price point was lower. And I thought, you know, even if death loss is higher, I'll be able to to absorb that. Thinking back now, when you're investing in your herd and you're spending precious capital, probably need to be very picky about what you're deciding to, to actually bring into your herd. Uh, other red flags, just the constant health problem, every single calf. And it wasn't, I didn't realize that this was probably a BVD problem until I got outside of the summer and we got into the cooler months of the fall, still calving, mind you, mm-hmm. <laughs> these these yeah. very heavy bred cows uh, calved all the way through the winter. Yeah. Still calving. Yes. Uh, We're still having issues. <laughs> <laughs> still calving. Uh, so once we got past flies and I thought, okay, I've got this pink eye thing because I had cows with pink eye too. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the whole herd. And you said the whole herd yeah. honestly looked a little bit. A little puny. Yeah, yeah. The whole, even the cows looked a little rough, even through the summer Yeah, with great it, grass, it mind was, you. It was good yeah. grass. Yeah. And so looking back on all of that, again, coming back to the red flags, uh, once we got past those flies and the eye problems, if I had a calf, it would be healthy for a week, maybe a week and a half and that calf would get sick and start coughing. And it, at this point, I knew I had something else besides pink eye. But again, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I had never had chronic problems before. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm new to this. <laughs> I've been, haven't been, have, I haven't had cows for a long time, but I was very new to, to purchasing cattle from outside sources. And I just, anytime I'd had sickness on in my herd, you know, you treat the sick animal, and they tend to get over it. Mm-hmm. And I just, after a while, I was like, every single cast getting sick, something is out here that's causing me problems. And honestly, in the back of my mind, I was blaming cows. I figured I had a, a cow that was being a problem. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to the fall, you're done with this parasite issue, you're still having health issues. What what prompts you to make a change and go figure some stuff out? Yeah, so we were, we were having calves very sporadically, maybe one or two a month, which everyone knows that's exactly how you want to have calves. You, <laughs> you check them every single day, all summer long, and and you may have a calf or two per month. And that got really old. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't want people to, to forget about the emotional toll that this kind of took on this whole deal. Because I know we like to check our cattle, but we don't like to find problems every time we show up there. And it was pretty much any time I went to this pasture, there was something staring me in the face that was wrong. Every day. Every single day. (laughs) And so, yeah, what prompted me to kind of figure something out is we had a decent lull in calving. And some of these calves got to be a couple months old. And everybody was 250 pounds or more. And then I had another calf. And I thought, for the love of everything, Trent, please get <laughs> these bigger calves out. Let's start fresh, because I'm starting to assume I have a problem at this point. I don't want this new baby to be affected. So I loaded everything. Like I said, the lightest one was 250 pounds. These were heifers. Not a lot of them are producing milk anyway. So mm-hmm. weaning early didn't affect these calves very much at all, because I had them on creep feed as well all summer, trying to just keep them alive. And... <laughs> 
And, and I got them moved out and hauled the town, and I had discussed with my vet at this point uh, some strategies we could take, and we decided to PI test everything I hauled the town. This concludes part one of our two-part episode on BVD and PI cattle. Be on the lookout for that second episode to hear the rest of this story. We really appreciate you joining us today, and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon.